Wednesday, September 13th, 2023, coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. No better place to stay if you're coming downtown. Matt Harris alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things. This show presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, and I am so looking forward to taking my Infinity QX60 up to Penticton this weekend. It drives beautifully. It has all sorts of storage space, and it sounds like I'll be transporting some of our gear We'll be at Neighborhood Downtown on a Friday morning, doing a couple segments of the show from there, and then we'll be there pre- and post-game Friday in advance, of course, of the Vancouver Canucks Young Stars game. You can lease that QX60 and the QX50 from 3.99%. Also, great deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. And we are celebrating Applewood's 25th anniversary, where we'll have... No charge maintenance packages available to you with purchase and a chance to win $25,000 straight cash. I'm sure it's not cash. See dealer for details because, Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today, and this is in light of the Vancouver Canucks revealing their Young Stars roster yesterday. Will Akito Hiroshi be an NHL regular this season? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog line of line of the day for me. These NHL player pop, props are all out. All the starting goaltenders over under for the wins total. What do you think they set the line at for Thatcher Demko? Over under wins. Uh, wins thirty four. Grady thirty two and a half. See, that's what I would have thought, but I think they've priced in the fact that he was hurt. And the team was terrible last year. It's 27. Oh, oh my God. Hammer hit. the over. Yeah, I hit the over. Give me over or give All me day. death. <laughs> and frankly, if it's not over, it's going to be a long season, everybody, on your Bodog line. They don't even the have like a defined backup. Like, I, I, I think it, again, I think it may be a commentary on his health and on the competitiveness of the, the Vancouver Canucks is the only way he doesn't get that is his injury right like you could go 34 31 ish well how many starts is he gonna have right guys? is he gonna get to 60 uh, I, I know they don't call. want him to start 60 but I would bet he probably starts around 60 uh, I think, so I think uh, if he the, can win half of them I think that's not gonna be their company line at the outset no. but I think they're gonna have to fall into it well hey if they're playing meaningful games Arter, in February still got Arter Silas. Still got yep. Arder Sillas. Yeah, I never know. We shall see. So, I voted yes on the poll question. I, I voted yes because I loved Hiroshi's poise last year in the small sample of NHL games that he got. I, I do think they want one of Carson Soucy or Ian Cole to play the right side. These are left shot defensemen, but they have experience on the right side. Uh, I, I I, like I think everybody else in the market, sees a good fit with Ian Cole as a defensive defenseman and the guy who stays behind and takes care of his own end and allows Quinn Hughes to explore more offense. I think Susie fits a similar role for Philip Peronik. And I think Tyler Myers, so long as he's not traded here and we're a couple days away from him getting his big bonus, is likely to be the third pair right side guy. 
look, Christian Willanen had a fabulous year last season. Matt Irwin is a veteran NHL player, big body as well, and that may make the difference there. Guillaume Brisbois had a very nice season last year and call up for the Vancouver Canucks. But I think Hiroshi's got a chance to be in the opening night lineup, and I'm going to bank on him being an NHL regular this season. Chris Tanev light, redux there. That's going to be the sure he's going to be the player that Tanef is, but uh, a college free agent who comes in and just looks so very smooth, looks like he's meant to be there. So I voted yes for Hiroshi. You? Um, I'm going to say no. He's just got too many hurdles to jump over. I think he will ultimately make his way in for a, a number of NHL games, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to be there at the outset or, or the default guy, mm-hmm. if you will. Perhaps Willannon to start out. And yeah, then but there's Irwin, of course, yeah. too. Well, Willannon, the uh, reigning NHL defenseman of the year, and of course, um, he looked okay as well. And they loved other guys, too, from their call-ups uh, last season as well, so... um yeah, there's a, there's a couple of options there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's also the option of maybe Myers plays top four while he's here, and you take both restricted or uh, both UFA defensemen that they added and play them on their on their regular left side, in, in which case you'd be talking about a, a right-shot guy there to round out the Canucks' six defensemen. Going to get to more young stars here in a moment, but first... Ilya Mikheyev, and unless he's there at UBC this morning, I haven't seen that, so please, if anybody has seen him, do let me know. But Ilya Mikheyev is one of the guys who we haven't seen at UBC, at least up to through Tuesday. And as we know, when we had his agent, Dan Milstein, on the show a couple of weeks ago, he said to us, look, I'm trying to convince Ilya this is a marathon, not a sprint. There have been reports, I think Rick Dollywall has alluded to the fact that it doesn't sound like preseason games are going to be likely there. I asked Milstein today if he was in, if McKayef was in town and if he'd had his follow up with the doctors, as he mentioned to us a couple of weeks back. Uh, he is in Vancouver. It sounds like there has been some follow up medicals here. And when I asked Milstein, will he be participating in training camp next week? He says, I don't know. So yeah. I think it's too soon to say there's been any kind of setback. Of course, this is an ACL recovery, uh, including the surgery. It can take some time. And I do think it's wise to take the slow road here. As Milstein said, it's a very long season coming up. But it does sound like Ilya Mikheyev may be compromised right from the jump here in terms of his participation. And it's going to draw a lot of criticism of why he was allowed to play as deep into the season as he did um, when this team was already out of it mm-hmm. and they could have done the surgery even earlier and they would not have had this preparatory issue for this coming season. So I don't mm-hmm. suspect it's going to be too far off. But again, there was there was an avenue to make sure that he was ready yeah. and that was just doing this earlier. Uh, so we'll see about Mikheyev going forward. Um, speaking of Russian Canucks, and Vitaly Kravtsov remains on their reserve list. The Vancouver Canucks, because they qualified him, retain the rights of this player, despite the fact he's back home in Russia. This is the second time he's left the NHL. And as Grady Sass tweeted last night, he's got five points in five KHL games, but is now expected to miss four to six weeks 
after taking a hellacious hit. He was uh, lucky that he wasn't... Um, <laughs> Decapitated? Well, it just turned into like... Uh, departed Adams like he was hit so hard you just wanted you just expected him to disappear almost can thank his defenseman for the suicide pass on that one T Gallagher might say he went right through him he he really had no matter um, I would suspect concussion is amongst the injuries but there there's I mean you you don't come out you don't get a number like four to six from a concussion because you just don't know how long so I suspect there's something else going on beyond a head injury. Like if this hit was represented in cartoon style, he would be flat, a two-dimensional yes. image Yeah. after taking this blow. Uh, we have the rosters for young stars for not just the Vancouver Canucks, which we'll get to here in a second, but also the uh, other participating clubs. Well, we'll start with the Canucks here. Blake, you, you and I did a video yesterday about who we're most interested to see. I picked Hiroshi because rare has been the day here at Young Stars where you've seen a guy participate who may well be in the opening night lineup. I also picked Aiden McDonough and one of four guys on this Canucks list who had played who has played NHL games just cuz we've, you know, heard so much of him for so long from afar there playing in Northeastern, but it's a pretty good-looking list. I think it speaks to you know some of the depth that is building up in the Canucks pipeline like they're still not chock-a-block with you know, A-grade prospects or anything like that. But there are guys on this list who could very well be NHL players and very well be NHL players as soon as this year. Hey, it also speaks to uh, some skill players that are blocked by the core group of players that they're mm-hmm. hoping to see take this team to the next level, right? Like, uh, there's, you know, Atu Ratu and stuff are a little bit snake-bitten by the fact that Ratu is not likely to wrestle away any of the forward positions right now on the Vancouver Canucks because there's established NHLers. Whether they're the right NHLers, we're going to find out this year. But there's a lot of blocks right now for um, young players to make their grade because the Canucks are going to assess out a lot of these players this coming season. Um, We've already said the Canucks don't have a ton of players signed long-term. Um, I think next year this team's in a, an entirely different place in terms of winnable positions. Um, but this is going to be a big step forward now for a lot of these developing players to say, I'm first in line. I'm next guy up when there's a hole that and, and when I hear that, I think that applies to uh, Hiroshi Blake. It may well apply as well to Philip Johansson, the one-time first-round Maybe even McWard. Yeah. Or, or McWard, one of mm-hmm. those two, although... You've got Juleson, you've got some other yep. guys who can play. Um, you got some other guys who can play the right side there. Of course, when we talk about the left side, it's, we all but forgot Jack Rathbone these days, but oh my he, he's, yeah. he's a possibility there as well. But it also, for me, that guy up front is Atu Ratu. Because you, even with the signings of Pius Suter, and Teddy Bluger, I still think there's upward mobility for Ratu. Maybe not this year, but by no means do I look at the Vancouver Canucks in the center position and say they're not going to need a call-up at some point this season. I mean... Even if you lose one, yeah, you would have four available to you? Yeah. 
Amon, Dries, potentially. Well, Dries is sort of the, a bit of a wild card here. I hear you. Yep. Well, and this is where winning um, plays a role, too. So let's say the Canucks are going pretty good. Then they get some injuries. Mm-hmm. Are they going to trust young players? Or are they going to trust sort of the AHL veterans that they know a fair amount about? And I would suggest that it's probably the latter. That if things are going pretty good... They're going to want to try to keep the ball rolling with injuries with AHL veterans and mm-hmm. substitutes that they've seen before, and yeah. you know they know aren't going to set the world on fire, but they can trust and they they can ex- they can know what to expect. Mm-hmm. There's some other fascinations here: Kirill Kudryatsev, who had a terrific year in the OHL. Uh, Sawyer Minio is a draft pick from this past year, as is Hunter Brestevich, uh, Tolapilo, the goaltender who's got pro experience, and you do wonder whether Ian Clark can develop him into a an NHL guy, and then locally, Surrey's Archdeep Baines, and I think everybody would be pulling for Archdeep Baines if he was able to build off what was a very good rookie season in the American Hockey League and make his NHL debut. The college free agent Max Sasson is a potential center option for them down the road. And and uh, Josh Bloom, Grady, you were talking about Bloom yesterday. This is sort of a, a low-key... Canucks prospect because he was acquired via a trade. He wasn't a drafted guy. He was part of the Riley Stillman trade with Buffalo. But he's got some interesting things about him as well, uh, including the fact he's a pretty big boy uh, at 6'2", and uh, potted 32 goals last year in the American Hockey League in just 58 games. So that's not bad either. No, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. As for the other participating sides with Calgary, we will see Vancouver Giant and first-round pick Samuel Honzik. Uh, also, Calgary's first-round pick from a couple years back, Matthew Coronado, who could well be an NHL player for them this year. Boy, Winnipeg just continues to draft and develop as just about as well as any franchise in the They get good deep cuts. Well, and of course, the other thing about Winnipeg is they're forever in positions where they have to trade out established players who aren't going to resign there. We saw that with Pierre-Luc Dubois. We saw that with Jacob Truba. So they do tend to amass more first and second round picks and thus have a deeper pool, but Colby Barlow, their first-round pick from this year, Chaz Lucius, a first-round, and Brad Lambert, first-round picks of previous years, will be there, as well as the goaltender Coquitlam's Thomas Millich of Canadian World Junior fame, and, of course, the Seattle Thunderbirds, who won the WHL last year. And the thing about the Edmonton Oilers is, and, and people may quibble because prospect rankings is in the eye of the beholder, their top four prospects are coming to this tournament, and yet outside of uh, Xavier Bourgo, Carter Savoy, Bo Aki, there's a Russian winger there. Blake, do you remember when this tournament started and everybody was there to see the Edmonton Oilers yes. and their prospects? The life cycle of, and yeah. Magnus Payarvi and Taylor well, Hall. The David guy. Yeah. Yeah, once upon a time, it was the Oilers' prospects that were really the intrigue for the hockey people who attend this tournament. And I got to give Edmonton Oilers fans credit, and 
they have been uh, a huge part of why this thing has been successful. Many of them make the trip. Do you guys remember the Jake Vertanen hit on McDavid and then Darnell Nurse came over and yes, fought Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wasn't that big a hit even? Anyways, though. the changes in a NHL organization's life cycle have certainly been viewed through the prism of the Young Stars yes. tournaments, yeah. the rosters that used to be there for certain clubs and the rosters that are now there with certain clubs, Edmonton front and center and most acutely. BC Lions back at it at home Saturday, 4 o'clock against the Ottawa Red Blacks. It's the final 4 p.m. kickoff, afternoon kickoff of the CFL home schedule for BC. Uh, Boy, they're big favorites, too, against the struggling Ottawa team. A reminder, we are giving away not only a pair of tickets, but a food and bev voucher and a gift card for the team store text hashtag lions to 778-402-9680 we will have a winner pick tomorrow so you've got to get on that now injuries for the lions this week uh we're hopeful that wide receiver dominic rhymes would be back for this game it doesn't sound like that is going to be the case jalen edwards cooper the corner is healthy he's going to play for Mike Jones, there's been a bit of a rotation there over the last few games anyways. And then really sad for Abbotsford's Bo Lacumbo, who has a rib injury. Head coach Rick Campbell, and we'll have coach on the show tomorrow, says he's hopeful that Bo gets back this year. It had been a great story for the Lions with the two starting BC linebackers, Abbotsford Lacumbo at the outside backer spot, Ben Laddick of Vernon at middle linebacker, the UBC grad. Josh Woods is going to slide over an American to play for Lacumbo at the outside linebacker spot. And the good news for the Lions is because they have been heavy in starting Canadians, starting more than the required seven, they don't have any ratio changes to make here, Blake. It's a straight swap. The American linebacker Woods is a three-year CFL veteran, so he should know he should be comfortable in the role, slides over and plays the outside Linebacker Spock, he'd been backing up Laddick at middle linebacker. One of the things we didn't get into yesterday as much with Aaron Rodgers and the injury he suffered on Monday Night Football, Achilles that's going to cost him his season, maybe his career, is the turf. And more on that in hashtags. But the turf at MetLife Stadium, and I don't know that you can look at this injury and say that the and turf, know that it's the turf. Yeah, no, like I'm not. No. I, you know, I think you would need doctors, kinesiologists, physicists who you know get together in a room. And uh, I'm not going to even then. It's going to be speculation. Even then, yeah. Uh, what I do know is that apparent apparently Aaron Rodgers told Jets co- told the Jets coaching staff. He wasn't too fussy about some of these plays that called for cut blocks at the line of scrimmage. And this injury did happen on one of these plays where there was a cut block involved. And the Because reason, he's worried about flying linemen or what? Well, so when you deliver a successful cut block, you get the defensive lineman on the ground immediately. Mm-hmm. But if a receiver doesn't present himself as open in the first steamboat or two... yeah. And apparently Garrett Wilson was open and Rodgers just missed him. Then the quarterback sort of has to manufacture some time because there's a better chance the defensive lineman is up on his feet and pursuing than the offensive lineman is. Right. And that's a play that you see a lot in college. 
you see it with some NFL teams, but typically more teams that have that Lamar Jackson-style quarterback who can extend the down. Not exactly a favorite play of Rodgers, and that's being fingered here. But the turf has come under more inspection with the NFLPA Executive Director Lloyd Howell releasing a statement advocating for every team to switch to natural grass. Quote, there is a bigger cost to everyone in our business if we keep losing our best players to unnecessary injuries. He's absolutely right about that. They do have data that suggests that some knees and ankle, knee and ankle injuries are more, are more pronounced on the turf than on natural grass. And then, Blake, you have Jets cornerback. Now, first of all, Rodgers was asked about the MetLife turf in training camp and said he didn't have a problem with it. He actually felt it was some of the better turf that was in the league. But Jets cornerback DJ Reid, former Seattle Seahawk, criticized the turf. And, Blake, you've got NFL players now with the Jets and Giants who are sitting there going, hold on a second. You're going to replace this turf with grass for the 2026 World Cup so that soccer players can play on grass for a handful of games in a one-off tournament, but you're unwilling to give us grass for a more physical sport for the tenant of this facility that will be playing eight to nine games plus preseason and playoffs each and every year. And, and Matt, let's be real. In the Canadian Football League, where budgets are of the utmost importance and ease of maintenance is key. Not to mention a lot of the facilities are community-owned and have to be able to host more than just football games. Not to mention, I mean, and this is true somewhat in the NFL too, but the northern climbs means that you need to be able to you know, take snow off of the surfaces sometimes in a more timely manner. Um, you can't really take snow easily off of real grass. Do you remember playoff games in Commonwealth that were effectively played on dirt? Because yes. there was no grass to grow yeah. in Edmonton in November. So... You know, the NFL is a quadrillion, chillion, fillion, billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. They can afford the grass. They they could probably afford heating underneath the grass, in fact, which is customary in a lot of the big stadiums. Now, Giant Stadium is, again, it's two tenants plus it's other events and all that. But, you know, the stadium in Arizona where they just take the grass in and out on a... Yeah. I mean, that's... Like on a trolley, it's a it's where you a, got your template and you just plug it in. Like it's a vast a, desert. They've got the real estate. Not everybody's got that real estate. Fair, um, but, but I there's, would have a, there's solutions. Something like that. I even saw a stadium. I want to say it was the new Burnabout. The new Burnabout, yeah. Right, the fold the, away. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So it's crazy. You, you and would, again, you got the money for that. You, even exactly. Too. NFL teams have the money for that. Plus, like this is the sport where people are trying to hit you and take you to the ground as hard as possible. One would think that the softest landing surface would behoove everybody. Yeah. Now, there's uh, lots of studies happening, too, on on the greener alternative. Um, you know, the, the amount of water needed for these fields is vast, but mm-hmm. the petroleum byproduct that is turf is not great for the earth either, so there's still there's a bit of a coin toss there. Mm-hmm. And, and ones I think like Bernabeu, is one of them, they use the gray water. They just keep recycling the water. The water goes through the turf, through the dirt. Obviously, it uses some of the water, but the runoff, it all gets reused. Right. So they, there's ways to make that uh, less of an impact. So, as well. Science can fix this issue. A lot of it, anyway. For, yeah. for a lot of these NFL facilities, of that, there's no doubt. Whitecaps news today. This is from Tom Bogert. Can I call him an MLS insider? He is. That's yeah, what he is. Yeah. 
Sources, Turkish club Aliana Spor is finalizing a deal to sign striker Sergio Cordova from Vancouver Whitecaps. Turkish window closes on Friday. Permanent deal will open a DP spot for Vancouver. Cordova, 26, has two goals in 19 MLS matches, to which our friend Alex Gungay-Ruzic follows up some movement for the Whitecaps before a roster freeze on Friday as they will free up a DP spot and clear a logjam up front by moving Cordova. Wonder how they fill that DP spot. Plus, sounds like another attacker could come in before the freeze, too, if all goes well. He says logjam. I didn't necessarily perceive that they have a logjam there. They have Brian White and they have Cordova off the bench. I know they've been using Gold up there. Yeah, I, I and Simon Betcher had a nice start to his career, but I mean, he still needs a lot of development. So I don't think it's, he's not part of the logjam. He hasn't seen significant minutes in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see I don't see a logjam there at all. I see the possibility to upgrade. I I wanted to believe that Cordova was going to find some um, form here because I think he put himself in a lot of good positions. I was surprised. I saw his expected goals was not very high. Um, I would have suspected that it was a higher expected goals because it seems like he missed a couple of sitters, uh, a handful yeah. of sitters, and. Uh, and maybe we think of him differently if he doesn't miss those. But he didn't score enough for what he costed, and he's blocking a DP spot. He did not score enough. So can they do better there? Yeah, they probably can. In time for the players. Now, here's the only problem I have with all this is I think he is still kind of useful. And considering they're in a huge run right now. Right. Like, could that, unless they've got somebody lined up. And and you know what? This is what we said about the departure of, of uh, Julian Gressel, too, of – Okay, I get everything that happened there, but could you not have held on to him for the rest of the season? And in this case, same thing. Well, they had a B plan, a plan B for for Julian Gressel, which was uh, the two Canadian national teamers. Atacube and Larea. So do they have a plan B here that we're going to know by the end of the week? Well, it sounds like Alex knows something here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are often in deep talks. We'll see if they get... Let me ask, um, is he talking MLS trade or is that deadline passed? Uh, that's passed. You okay. can sign free agents right, right now. You can sign international free agents, of which there are some. And and, and I just put this out there because it's kind of funny. There's been all of these seemingly disproven rumors about Aiden Hazard coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a free agent right now. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> I, I've never believed any of those rumors, no. but it's kind of funny. This is the Belgian international. Yes. And Where did he play most of his club uh, well, he's played most of it in in in, in England, right? Um, but he's this would be quite a big fish, at least in terms of name recognition. Chelsea and Real, yeah. I mean, I've heard of them. Yeah. Anyways, Whitecaps in Toronto to face their Canadian rivals TFC on Saturday. It is the first game on the touchline for Vancouver resident John Herdman, the new coach at TFC, and of course. The ex-coach of the Canadian national team, both men and women. And sadly, uh, for the first time in a while here, the Caps and Lions are both sort of up against each other. It's a 4.30 kickoff in Toronto for the Caps, 4 o'clock at BC Place here at home for Ottawa. And once you're done watching those matches, then potentially you head on over to Nat Bailey Stadium for Game 4 of the Northwest League Championship Series. There still are tickets available for Saturday's Game 4, if necessary. Sunday's Game 5, which is a 1 p.m. start, if necessary. 
The Seas beat Everett last night in game one. They shut out Everett. Slovak slash Irish slash Canadian pitcher Adam Mako, a former Mariners prospect and Everett Aquasock with five innings pitched yesterday, no runs. The Seas got to the Northwest leader in ERA and wins. They win the ball game, so they've got that split at the very least the that they've done was talking about yesterday on the show. Devereaux Henderson starts game two tonight, and it's possible if they win tonight, Friday could be for all the marbles at Nat Bailey Stadium in game three, the one game the Canadians are guaranteed to host. Again, if they need a game four or a game five, it'll be on the weekend. You almost you almost selfishly hope they lose tonight so, so that they I've, get the I've two. I've told Andy Dunn and our friend Walter Kosman over at the Canadians, I'm kind of selfishly hoping that there is a game four yeah. because then I can get No game back five. I don't have the nerves for that. But hey, it, if yeah. it has to be a game five, uh, it has to be a game five. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I would like a chance to see the game Saturday. We'll be in Penticton on on Friday. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the C's. Time now for today's menu, and it's brought to you by AG1. Drink AG1. You really should. It's a great start to your day. Foundational nutrition. Why have to think about what you need to do to have a healthy day when you can just drink AG1? Go to drinkag1.com slash price to unlock a special offer. Uh, we'll get to Frank Corrado here in a second. Frank had plenty to say about Mike Babcock. Uh, he, of course, played for Mike Babcock, kind of, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Play in quotes. Well, and, and Frank's case there, I think, you know, brought to light, and perhaps because it was Toronto and there's so much coverage of the Leafs, but brought to light the dynamic between general manager and head coach. And frankly, I think, brought to light how difficult Mike Babcock was to work with in his previous coaching stops in the National Hockey League before getting to Columbus. And that is, you know, the general manager sees a young right-shot defenseman on waivers and thinks, boy, this guy could help us either at the NHL level or at the AHL or as depth. And, of course, Frank got there and sat and sat and sat and sat because Babcock didn't necessarily agree with the Moved to claim him and didn't want to play him. Um, so anyways, Frank, with some interesting insight, in fact, uh, insight you're not going to get anywhere else with regards to Mike Babcock and being a player who, let's face it, did not necessarily fit with Babcock's plans. It's not quite Mike Commodore level of vitriol, but no, it's... Uh... No, well, and Frank's too polite. Yeah, Exactly. I didn't see Commodore. Did Commodore? Lay I have not on seen after. Oh, yeah, he after went he did. nasty. Yeah, yeah. Yes. insinuating that it was a very young, highly regarded Blue Jackets player that was kind of leaking this out. So, mm. oh, you know, you can kind of go through the exercise and narrow down a list. They do have a lot of well, good. Well, they young do prospects. have a good uh, amount of young prospects, including Kent Johnson. Again, we'll right, point. We'll point boy. out that Boone Jenner did. Yeah, back all the story up. So there's there is corroborating evidence at the very. We'll least. get to hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including somebody who called the Aaron Rodgers injury with eerie accuracy. Jeff Patterson will stop by playing to talk to you with Jeff's this young stars roster. I will get to the poll question on Hiroshi. Guess to Brock Besser doing speed drills and. 
Ian Cole's arrival here. New Vancouver Canuck. And uh, also today, we um, some errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Couldn't be me. Might be Grady Sass. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And the weather's getting a little cooler, but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer. That summer heat with Workshop Spirits. Ombre Margarita. Hi there, hard lemon iced tea. And hi there, our peach iced tea. will keep you feeling tropical all year long. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. Harrison Price from All Center Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating its 25th anniversary right now. So never has there been a better time to head to your favorite Applewood dealer, say Applewood Mitsubishi perhaps, and tell you to take the Outlander for a test drive. And anytime you take a car for a test drive, you're going to be entered for a chance to win $25,000. Any new cars purchased during the month of September also come with a no-charge maintenance package valued at almost $2,500 as well. Now's the time, folks. September. This is the day you pull the trigger, you head to the Applewood Auto Group for your new wheels. Bodog poll question asking you, will Akita Hirose be an NHL regular this season? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. Short week for the Bills after a demoralizing loss. I'm going to take the Raiders in the 8.5 points Sunday in Buffalo. On your Bodog line of the day. Joined now by former Vancouver Canuck TSN hockey analyst, Mr. Frank Corrado. And Frank, we start today with the age-old question. You have your popcorn ready? Well, how much popcorn is too much popcorn mm. is, is the better question. Because, you know, popcorn per game is played. I don't think anyone would beat me. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I would, or popcorn per game's... Viewed. Anybody who saw me in the Canucks media box for a decade. That is Blake's go-to. Oh, uh, I, I would take you down in mm-hmm. a popcorn off. <laughs> I, I, was ta- I was talking to someone about it and they were like, you were just training. You were just training for being a member of the media. Yeah. And yeah. you need to get your sodium levels acclimated to that mm-hmm. early on. You don't Absolutely. want to shock the system. Canucks homestands used to have a dire physical effect on me for the amount of sodium and co- coconut <laughs> oil that I consumed. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. So for for yeah. those who missed it, Frank had a very amusing post yesterday mm-hmm. with regards to the whole Mike Babcock, what's in your phone? Because, of course, Frank, you played for Babcock in Toronto, but, of course, um, played being the... Played sparingly. Yeah. Tell us the whole yeah. story yesterday. So, 
I was I was like, you know what, this guy's in the news again for all the wrong reasons. I, I feel like I gotta chime in in some way, but I, I wanted it to be witty. I didn't want it to be one of those preachy kind of things. And I saw a couple people talking about, oh, I, you know, I wouldn't want Babs going through my phone. And I, I thought about it for a second. I was like, okay, back in 2015, 2016, you know, let, let's go back and see what's in there. And sure enough, I had some memes. Like there was one of my picture on the milk carton saying missing, like funny thing, amusing. I saved it back in the day. Oh, my goodness. And it was actually, actually another one that I didn't post. Um, it was a tweet from my good pal, Jeff O'Neill. And I think the wording was, this is Frankie Corrado's new hockey card. And under that was a picture of a scratch ticket. (laughs) Essentially, just saying, you know, he's a scratch. Uh, But sure enough, I did find pictures of popcorn because I guess during my, uh, you know, visiting team dressing room endeavors, not every game did I go up to the press box. There were some games where I kind of stayed in the bowels of the arena and just kind of like moseyed around and watched the game on a screen. I had taken a bunch of picture with popcorn. So I guess I think one was St. Louis. They give you a big bag. And I think I had taken like a progress shot to see like how much of it I actually ate that night, which was a little (laughs) alarming. And then we were on a road trip. So we got to Chicago and Chicago was like, there's another big bag waiting for you. I'm like, oh, we're going to do it again. And I took a picture with the big bag of popcorn. Um, So, yeah, I think it was I think it was amusing. I think it was in good taste. Uh, so good. Um, so the bigger question is, um, did Babcock ever ask to look in your phone? And what do you make of no. this whole business that's coming out of Columbus? No, where I, you- I, 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 I explained it to someone like this this morning. And you know how, you know, it, you see movies or TV shows, there's that, that kid in the family and everyone's overbearing. Everyone wants to know everything about them, the whereabouts, what you're doing, how you're doing it. They're all over you. And there's that kid in the family that no one seems to care about. And he's like, I wish someone cared enough to ask me where I was going. That's what I felt like. I'm hearing all these people talking about, yeah, he wanted to know, you know, my family, my pictures, all these things. I'm like, I don't even think the guy wanted to know my name, (laughs) you know? So I was like, I I didn't have that issue. That's for sure. Well, his loss, Frank, his loss, we've... We've gotten to know you and Big Sal and the Corrado family, yeah, and he would be exactly. richer for your association. He might have and some you know sauce. What? He would never get sauce. I, I was I was saying to someone right before we came on we came on today. The next conversation Babs and I ever have is going to be the first honest conversation we've ever had. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if although, it were to happen, although as we now find out this this story corroborated by Boone Jenner at the very least. It sort of sounds like a clumsy, um, you know, we wondered before we had all the details yesterday, we sort of wondered, like, how would he go down this road so early knowing that all eyes were on it? And it sounds like it was just a clumsily executed attempt at turning over a new leaf. You know, if we're to believe the statement from CBJ, it sounds like he was trying to turn over a new leaf and it just maybe came off a little wrong um, when described to certain people. Yeah, it's interesting because I do think he's he's a socially awkward guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think he has a hard time getting to know people. And like that's the problem when you're not genuine and you're not authentic. Things like that, like what you're doing, so, you know, those are things that should just come up organically, right? Like it shouldn't be this formal thing where and, – and we don't know how it went down with Columbus. It's not our place to speculate it. It's, a, you know, it, it's their kind of thing. 
But I can just tell you in my experience in dealing with the guy and dealing with other coaches along the way, it's like they ask you out for a coffee or you, you grab a beer on the road and you get to know someone and you ask questions. There's a back and forth with it. It's organic. It's genuine. And, you know, there's there's people that you meet along the way in the hockey world. You're like, OK, I get that guy's a coach. You know, I understand there's a certain level of, um, you know, there, there's not a power dynamic, but he's a coach. I'm a player and we have to respect that. And there's some guys where you're like, OK, he's a coach at the rink, but I feel like he's a good guy. Like, I feel like I can understand we have some things in common. We got to know each other. The way he kind of goes about his business, I'm not surprised, you know, something like this gets lost in the shuffle because it's just it's just how he does things. He's he's a weird guy. Um, he has a hard time kind of leveling with players. And like, to be honest with you, I'll be completely honest. He does not care about your family. He he just doesn't. He's not going to rem- remember their names. He doesn't care. Um, that's that's my experience. I lived it. And it's just, for me, it's a little bit phony. Even if he is trying to get to know your families, even the other thing I saw was like a three, three-part three article about Babs. And, you know, he's, he's talking about mental health again, doesn't care about your mental health. He, he flat out does not care. All he cares about is himself. Um, and then the other thing is like this communication plan thing. It's such a bogus thing. It really is. You know what the communication is? Be your coach. Be a decent enough guy to shoot people straight. Look them in the eye when you talk to them. Let them know what they're stand. And you don't need to have some goofy plan so when things go off the rails, you have it in writing. Well, you said you were going to do this. I said I'm going to do that. A communication contract. No, that's garbage. Just have a little nuance and a little feel for relationships. So I, I think the whole thing is weird, uh, but I'm, I'm not surprised because he's just an awkward guy. Uh, I, I will say this. And I don't know if he remembered that her name was Shirley, but I do know he once told Morgan Riley, I'm glad your mom's in town this week because she can get after you as opposed to me. Uh, so I, I it's do. weird. Like, no, but that's a, that's a normal occurrence with him. That is so weird. It's like coaches don't really say that. What's his mom's like disciplining him about hockey. No, they're going for lunch and going for dinner. It's such a, such a weird thing. I remember it was, it was the Christmas party our my second year with the team and he had finally met my girlfriend who's now my wife at the time she was in law school very you know very bright individual and we met we said hi we went our separate ways at the party and then I believe it was the next day or the day after we were traveling somewhere and he comes up to me he goes uh yeah you're hitting way out of your league there I'm like the hell are you talking about <laughs> you know like first of all i know I, i'm aware thank you okay and you know most people would just be like hey that's pretty cool like your wife's in law school she you know what kind of law does she want to be mm-hmm. in that's great good for you guys but that's just you know he's a weird individual all right you're, you're eating too much popcorn frank uh moving right <laughs> yeah. along everyone's got a babcock huh uh yeah. quinn hughes says canucks captain your thoughts and listen, from from all accounts, from what you hear about guys, it's like he's there's a maturity to this guy. There's a calm that he has. And, you know, I was talking to someone else about this. You know, the, the captains that I had in the NHL, it was Henrik Sedin. It was Dion Phaneuf. It was Sidney Crosby. So very established veteran guys um, that everyone kind of looked to in the room. 
And I thought about, okay, how does that work with a young player? Well, obviously, you're going to need to have some kind of input from some older guys around you. And hopefully, you've had some good veteran leadership around you. Um, but the on-ice stuff is probably like the least of your worries as, as if you're a young captain. I think it's the other stuff. I think it's like, um, hey, can you try and get us an extra day off here? You know, talk, talking to the guys in the room. Can we get this travel day switched? Um, you know, you got to coordinate every kind of team event and team dinner and, and even just managing a lot of the personalities in a dressing room. And it's not just the Canucks. It's everywhere around the league. These are highly paid guys who are the best at what they do. There's going to be some big personalities that clash at times. And, you know, one of the things people always talk about with captains is, um, holding other people accountable. I think it's more about holding the group accountable, holding yourself accountable. So, you know, I, I, if, if he's going to take on this role, which he is, he's, it, it's all encompassing. It's all of that into one. Uh, but, you know, from what you hear, it's like, okay, the guy's going to be on the ice in all the critical moments. That's great. People will look to him for leadership in that way. In the dressing room, if he's one of those guys who holds himself to a high standard um, and and can find a way to, to bring a group together, then that's great as well. So, um, you know, I, I don't really look at it as you know, there, there was another player and another player up front that maybe they were contemplating and they chose to go with the D man. So they didn't, um, you know, they didn't piss off the other two guys. I just think he's probably shown a level of maturity. He's going to be one of the best players on the team. He's probably going to be one of the best players in the league. And if you believe that, that he can kind of bring a group together and, and run things in a dressing room, he's a little young, but we've seen some young captains do really well in the NHL. Let me ask you yesterday's poll question, and and we know goalies are leaders in the room often um, anyway. Rarely, well, in fact, only once that I know of has a goalie ever been a part of the official leadership group, and that was right here in Vancouver, of course, and that had certain um, uh, problems. Um, Were you here that year, Frank? No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. Okay. So, but what if Demko got an A? And again, it would be an unofficially on the mask and not on the jersey. But does that need to happen? Or do you think like goalies are unofficially always part of the leadership group almost? I, I, if you're a goalie like that, who's, who's going to eat up a lot of games, like let's be honest, that's a 60-game 60, 60 guy. That's yeah. what he is. He's, he's one of the few guys that's not a tandem guy in the league anymore, and he's damn good at it. But I don't think he needs to be wearing an A. I, I think his position in the net and what he brings to the team, that is, you know, that's kind of solidified. He doesn't need an A to kind of show that. Um, you know, he, he's going to have a seat at the table in any kind of meeting just because I think they value what he brings to the team and the kind of presence he has. Smart guy, too. Um, Smart letter. guy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. Very well-spoken guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think an A really needs needs to be on the sweater or the mask to to show that he's a part of that group. Um, if anything, you know, all it does is it frees you up to maybe, uh, you know, have someone else in that leadership group that you think, okay, maybe it doesn't need to be the most skilled player, but maybe it's just someone who, you know, it just brings you another voice into that group. And just brings in a different element of the team, you know, when it comes to those leadership meetings, you know, coaches are big on these things. And I think it's really smart to have a leadership meeting every couple of weeks or every month just to see, okay, where are you guys at as a leadership group? But you're bringing things to the team, like from the team's point of view to the coaches that they don't know. 
because they're not in the dressing room, you know, every second. They're in their coach's office. They come in from their for their meetings, and and they're they're really focused on what they need to do as a coaching staff. So you know, bringing in someone else's you know a different player's point of view can really help um, you know see a lot of different perspectives in the leadership group. What are your memories of young stars in Penticton? Loved it. I loved young stars. It was, um, you know, I, I think as an 18 year old, when you know you're going back to junior, it's your first opportunity to put on the jersey, which is just the coolest, you know, in, in regardless of whether NHL players or not, it's a very, very special moment. Um, the, the team and the tournament did such a good job of making us feel like it was the NHL. Um, and, and really what it is, it's your first opportunity on a level playing field with all your peers, everyone who's been drafted with you either the year before, the year after, um, you know, on other teams to show where you're at and, and, and get a start on, on trying to earn that, you know, that entry level contract. And then as that progresses, maybe you get that contract and it's like, okay, now I'm coming to this tournament and I need to show that I'm going to dominate here and get ready to go to training camp and try and make a team. Um, Penticton is such an awesome place to go to. Like for me, being from Ontario, I never really knew uh, what the Okanagan was all about and getting to Penticton and even, you know, the scenery, things like, you know, going for a swim or, or renting jet skis for a day. Like it's outside of the hockey, but it's such a cool place to do a tournament like that. You get to know your teammates and the guys you're drafted with really, really well. And, you know, I, I think it's it's worth noting that a lot of teams that have success, it's like there's these group of guys that are drafted together where it's within a couple years. They do these development camps, they do these rookie tournaments, and they all kind of move up the line together. And certain core groups have been established that way and had success. Like I, th- I think it's really important to kind of nurture these young relationships early on as well as you know evaluate players and, and see what they have on the stage. But I, I love Penticton and everything about Which it. Which was your bigger holy shit moment? Development camp right after the draft where you put on the crest for the first time, albeit in a non-competitive atmosphere, or or there? We're always competing, Blake, yeah, yeah. even in those yeah, scrimmages. Yeah, we're right. always competing. Yeah, we are. Um, for because me, it was, cause what for you me described, it was Young wait, Stars. It was Young Stars? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, yeah we, we described that stars. before. Yeah, because you're just, you know, it's a game. You got the game jersey on, you know, they ordered you fresh sticks with your name on them. You know, sometimes if you're coming from junior in my era, it was like you just had whatever they had in the Sudbury Wolves equipment room with wolves written on it. So you you really, like, it really starts to hit you that you're playing games and you're playing against the Oilers, the Flames. I I believe it was the Sharks that were there as well. So, um, you know, you're playing against all these guys. Development camp for me was that really cool moment. But the way development camp was structured back then was a lot of the emphasis was in the gym, off the ice. So we would get really grinded down in the gym. And then on the ice, it was like, okay, we're doing a 45-minute session. You're going to work with the skating coach for one thing. You're going to go work with, uh, you know, the skills coach here. You're going to do some uh, position-specific stuff here. And then you're off the ice, and we're going to do some kind of, like, team-building activity. It wasn't until we got to Young Stars where you're really like, okay, this is practice. This is morning skate. This is the game and, you know, let's get going. Like you're going to have to perform here because there's a booth right above our net where every single brass is watching from the Canucks, but not just the Canucks, Oilers, Flames, all these guys. And you're like, okay, now it's on. All right. So you attended Young Stars, then you went back for your final year of junior hockey. And in that final year of junior hockey, Frank Corrado, you were traded from the Sudbury Wolves to the Kitchener Rangers. 
Pretty good-looking Kitchener team, too. John Gibson in goal, Radic Faxa, Tobias uh, Reader, so Ryder. So some NHL players there. Yeah. Including, and it's trivia time now. I played this with Blake and Grady a little. Okay. You were one of four future Vancouver Canucks on that Kitchener Rangers team. Hmm. Name the other three. All right. We have Josh Levo. That's very, my boy. Very good. We have Evan McEnany. Oh, you got McEnany. What an NHL game with the Vancouver Canucks. I I thought that would be the guy that you missed, but very well done. Now I'm thinking about the fourth, and I want to say it's Justin Bailey. Very good. Justin Bailey. Wow. So, Matthew, I appreciate you bringing the trivia out, and I'll have you know, like on various radio shows, we've done know your teammate trivia. Yeah. And generally speaking, I'm I'm decent at it. That's because... I'm a bit of a hockey nerd that way. Well, no, it's you're a good person. You're a good people you get person. to know yeah. people genuinely, yeah. authentically. You don't yeah. need to ask them to look through their phones. That's the type of guy you are, Frank Corrado, and we're delighted well, to have you here on S&P. Thank you. And and just one other note. So you talk about that Kitchener Rangers team that was pretty good. And and I remember that team, and, and you look at the names on paper, you're like, how does that team not win? I, I, I did this exercise not too long ago. I looked at the team we lost to in London and some of the names on that team. Let me go through it with you. Max Domi, Seth Griffith, Bo Horvat, Chris Tierney, Josh Anderson, Oli Mata, Nikita Zadorov, Scott Harrington. Do you want me to keep going? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. You, you guys lost to a pretty good team. You, you basically list, lost to an AHL team yeah. in the making there. Like, like the, yeah, I was like, all right, we lost in the second round. We also lost to an AHL team. Yeah. What the hell do you want from us? Yeah. Marvelous yeah. stuff, Frankie. Thanks for this. Catch up next week. Thanks, guys. Scare some price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags is the best and worst of Twitter.com. And Blake, I'm going to lead us off with Darren Ravel, sports business reporter. And this is from. I mean, this tweet now itself is 28 hours old, so there will be even more views. This tweet now has 10 million views. Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles two hours and 24 minutes later. A gentleman by the name, or at least calling himself David Zaslev, at Daddy Zaslev, at 6.01 Eastern on Monday night, tweeted, Aaron Rodgers is going to tear his Achilles on a rain-drenched MetLife turf in two and a half hours. He missed it by um, six minutes. And this is, do we think him a Packers fan? We think him a Packers fan only because, this is so Twitter, Mike Lombardi replied to it saying, this is bad for the Packers as well because they need him to play 70% of the snaps in order to reap uh, draft pick compensation. And he replied with a very crude comment about Lombardi and Lombardi's wife. So the account has now been suspended. Right. Nevertheless, and he actually has a tweet earlier than this specific one where he says Aaron Rodgers is going to get hurt on the turf field there. And we've already talked about how the NFLPA is now pushing for real grass everywhere. Anyways... If the account is restored, maybe worth a follow. 
see if this guy has any other Nostradamus-like predictions yeah. for this NFL season. I mean, he's, he, as a Packers fan, you'd be thinking of the worst-case scenario to get revenge on the guy sort of thing. And it's an old guy, wet field. I mean, I think it's a lucky guess more than— It's probably just a lucky guess. Yeah. 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 At Schlossman GF, it's Brad Schlossman um, out of Grand Forks, the Herald. But he's down in Minneapolis right now. For some college hockey stuff, walking through the XL Energy Center, he sees something. Says, hanging in the XL Energy Center, dot, 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 which may be prepping for a site visit. There's a sign there that says the 2026 WJC Press Work Room. That's the World Junior Hockey Championships, and it's got a USA Hockey Emblem and double IHF. So it sounds like, without having been officially awarded it yet, um, the 2026 World Juniors will be coming to Minneapolis for the first time since 1982. So the modern World Juniors, as we know it, have never been to the state of hockey. You know, that's, I mean, buff- very odd. they've done back-to-back Buffaloes in the U.S. Mm-hmm. hosting, and that makes some sense, too. But Minneapolis can do it. I, it's, a, it's a good choice. Mm-hmm. At Adam Schefter. <whistles> Starting next season, the NFL is expanding practice squads on all 32 teams to include one international player helping to create more football opportunities for athletes from around the world to be identified and developed. Hmm. See, I feel a bit of a forerunner on that, of course, yes, with yeah. the global player. Mm-hmm. I first read this and worried, oh, God, are Canadians considered international players? Because that might be 30 Canadians out of the CFL next year on NFL practice squads. Here, here's how an international player is defined. For the purposes of the initiative – a qualifying international player is a person whose citizenship and principal place of residence are outside the United States and Canada. So based based on how I read that, and there may be a few discrepancies because the CFL has sort of tinkered with what it considers a national player, but based on reading that, that does not include quote-unquote nationals in the CFL. Like Amer- to be a Americans national in here. the CFL, you have to be right. You you have had to have played your developmental football in Canada, um, at the very least, is my understanding. So, if you're a resident of Canada or if you're a citizen of Canada, you don't consider you're not considered an international player mm. by the NFL, which is very good news for the yeah. CFL. Yeah. yeah. At SI Now, after speaking it into existence, Travis Kelsey has reportedly been linked to Taylor Swift. He has made mm. no bones about his fascination, um, attraction to the pop star. He has made uh, attempts to send her his number. It appears that number has finally been sent. It has been answered mm. and used. Oh, wow. By T-Swizzle. And... The Where was he yesterday at the VMAs? How come he wasn't at the VMAs? The insiders are saying they've been quietly hanging out. Ah. So, a good. new power couple. It's good hot goss, Blake. Right? Spilling all the tea. Kelsey's a, a fun guy. She's a... Yeah, oh, he's a she, very She could guy. do worse in the NFL. Mm-hmm. At Luke Fox Jukebox, quote, It would certainly seem to me, in my experience with Terry over time, totally out of character... Not something he would ever say. This is the NHL's Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly reacting to a lawsuit that includes Terry Pagula, Bill's and Sabres owner, 
making derogatory remarks about blacks. This is a lawsuit launched by Jim Trotter, formerly of NFL Media, who is suing the National Football League and saying, look, the reason you fired me is I had the gall to ask you questions about social justice and concussions and some of the topics that the NFL would best not address. In the lawsuit, he's got both Terry Pagula, the Bills owner, and Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, making statements with regards to, well, if blacks want this and if blacks want that. We'll see where it goes. Of course, this wouldn't be the first time the NHL would just tolerate bad behavior from owners and hope everybody moves on. We saw that last year in this market. So we'll see where it goes, but if this does get to trial, and I can't imagine it gets to trial, I would think they would probably pay Jim Trotter to go away, but maybe Mr. Trotter says, you know what? Don't want your money. Want this fight. We shall see. Uh, Also, Daly commented on Atlanta for a third time. Blake, listen to this. I think some of the challenges that we've seen in the past in Atlanta can be overcome. I think the t- the times market demographics have changed pretty dramatically since the first time we went there, oh and then again in 1999. Stop it! Stop it! Oh, they just so on Atlanta. It's got all those head offices, Coca Cola, and everything, and yet the denizens of Atlanta are not exactly the best sports fans when you look at attendance for their all their teams. And secondly, they really don't like hockey. Do you think that? NHL on TNT, Turner Sports, yeah, might have factors in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it does. Yeah, it I'm sure it does. But yeah. the fact is, this is a two-time loser. Yeah. Like, they drew flies. Yeah, you don't get three chances. Third this. time's the charm, oh, fellas. please. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hashtags for today. With Frank White, Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter. And Jeff, we all uh, saw that youngsters list yesterday and went, wow, that looks pretty good. And it looks pretty deep. And it looks like guys. And I saw you wrote about this. The three guys who have already played NHL games are going to join in Penticton this weekend. It is four, not to jump oh, on four. you, but uh, yeah, just keeping it real, as they say. Uh, it's an interesting collection because uh, we've seen this in past years where the Canucks haven't had much in the pipeline and they've had to go out and you know bring in free agents and they've done a little bit of that. But uh, boy, you look at this roster, Matt, four NHLers, Aiden mm-hmm. McDonough, Atu Ratu, uh, and then the two defensemen, Akito Hirose and Cole McCord. Uh, so you've got four that played in the NHL. I think there were nine guys that played professionally in Abbotsford. Then you've got Philip Johansson, who's an interesting inclusion on this list, but I kind of like it, actually, just because he hasn't played uh, much hockey on this side of the pond. But keep in mind, too, that uh, Nikita Tolopilo, the big goaltender, uh, they both played professionally in Sweden last year. So, uh, And then throw Karl Plaschik, who is uh, still in the organization, and uh, he played in Czechia. So they've got a bunch of guys that played professionally. I would think, I haven't done a roster comparison yet, but I have to think that the Canucks have the sort of most experienced, if not the oldest roster at a Young Stars tournament, whatever the case, uh, it does look now like there is a prospect pipeline. There are some guys that uh, I think you can legitimately get excited about, but in saying that too, I noted that the Athletic did a countdown to the top 10 prospects in the Canucks stable, and Atu Ratu is the only one of the top five that's actually going to be in Penticton mm-hmm. and Young Stars because... 
of European commitments or NCAA schooling. So the Canucks don't have their top, top prospects here, but they do have a lot of veteran veteran prospects, if you will, and a lot of guys with pro experience. And I like Johansson's inclusion because you got to get used to the North American forecheck. And Jeff, we have seen this tournament before. There are guys who are out there to hit everything that moves and prove that they're a physical player. I think this may help uh, Johansson adapt to the smaller ice in the North we, American. We rarely league. see teams come in, though, guys, and dominate this this event um, because it can be messy hockey. They've just been thrown together. To, I mean, considering these are pros, do you think there's a chance, though, that the, the Canucks can – can can you know throw the other teams around a little bit? I mean, if they are pros, they they should look like pros. I, I think for me, it's more about individual evaluation. This isn't a tournament as much as it's a showcase. There, nobody's playing for a championship or a title at the end uh, of the weekend, and so I think the teams look at it more as an opportunity to you know review what they've got, but ultimately in comparison to what some of these other Western Canadian teams have as well. But you know, a player like Aiden McDonough, we saw him at the tail end of last year in the National Hockey League, didn't look out of place, scored, but didn't wow us as he was still getting his feet wet. I want to see a couple of shifts where he dominates physically, like where he's just too much for opponents to handle at this level. And again, he may be playing against, you know, major junior guys that are going to go back to their Canadian Hockey League teams uh, or other players that are in the American Hockey League. You know, this is more of his peer group, but remember, he's four years at school, like on the aging curve. Uh, he's going to be one of the older players at this tournament. So I want to see something like that from Aiden McDonough. He doesn't have to be the best player start to finish, but I want to have a couple of shifts from him uh, that absolutely stick with me that we'll be talking about next week when we review the events. You know, and the same goes for a guy like Atu Ratu. I mean, he spent most of last year either in the National Hockey League or if not uh, in the American Hockey League. You know, he's younger than a guy like McDonough, but he is rated high on the Canucks prospects chart and they don't have that many forwards that uh, figure in the, you know, their, their top prospects. Aturatu is certainly one of them who could, again, see time in the National Hockey League this year at a prospects tournament where you're going against some junior age players. He has to have a few moments for me where his skill and his size absolutely pop. And, you know, I'd like to have him have a couple of wow moments that, uh, you know, get the building buzzing. We should uh, make mention that uh, I believe the all-time record at the Young Stars was a 26 or a 27-year-old coming with, I believe, the San Jose Sharks. I want to really? say it was like Ben Ferriero or something of the like. So uh, at risk of ease and O's, I'll, uh, I'll say that the Canucks are nowhere near the record for old no, graybeards. But, but um, bringing guys who, as Jeff notes, have NHL experience or guys who could factor in the NHL opening lineup, Jeff, like, there's a world where Akita Hiroshi is playing the left side of your third pair on opening night. We're asking on our Bodog poll question, do you think he'll be an NHL regular this year? And what do you make of his inclusion into this Young Stars tournament? Yeah, I, I'm all for it. Uh, again, these are, you know, experience for these guys, even though they're a little further along in the aging curve. You know, he turned pro right out of college, gets stuck in a National Hockey League, gets stuck in, gets plugged into the National Hockey League, and certainly didn't look out of place. I mean, we spent a lot of time in those final couple of weeks of the season uh, talking about Akito Hiroshi, and I think universally people uh, were excited about him. That said, this is sort of starting from the start. Most prospects go through this process of playing at a Young Stars tournament. So, uh, you know, for him, it's just an opportunity to continue to show what he can do. But I think the poise and the polish that he showed in the National Hockey League, 
you know, I want to see him control things and settle things down in his own zone. I would imagine he'll get an opportunity to run a power play uh, when the Canucks get some power play opportunities. But for me, it's more about the defensive game because I still think we're learning about him and Cole McWard. Like, does anybody really have a book on Cole McWard? You know, got plugged in. And again, those were mean nothing games down the stretch last year. You know, I thought he acquitted himself reasonably well, but I think uh, most people expect that Cole McWard's going to spend this season in Abbotsford, and maybe he can push for uh, some spot duty back in the National Hockey League. But uh, for these guys, I think it's all about just kind of laying the foundation that, yeah, uh, you know, they've got that experience. Now they have to put it to use at a tournament like this one, and that would set them up then for you know their first professional main training camp the following week in Victoria. So. You know, I hope that they don't see this as any sort of slight that they've played in the NHL. Why are they playing in Penticton? Uh, if I were them, I would look at this as uh, just a longer runway to continue to show what they can do for this organization. What do you think on Hiroshi specifically, Jeff? Do you think he's a player for them opening night? Do you think I he's don't. an NHL regular? No, I, I don't think he's a, an opening night guy, and I don't think he's a regular. I think uh, he's got a fair bit of competition on that left side, whether it's Christian Wolanin, uh, I think a guy like Matt Irwin, who brings a ton of uh, NHL experience, played 60 games in Washington last year uh, and wasn't part of this group a, a year ago. So I think that's another player that uh, a player like Nikita Hiroshi would have to leap over. And then the other thing is that maybe somebody on the right side surprises or, uh, you know, maybe there's moving parts with Tyler Myers and his, uh, like, it, it's possible that uh, both uh, of the guys that they signed in free agency, Ian Cole and Carson Soucy, you know, I think we're thinking one of them is going to play on the right side, at least to start the season, but... Who knows if uh, somebody like Noel Juleson, you know, steps up and makes a, a bid for a spot on the right side, then maybe you bring the free agent guys over to their natural left side. And again, that just complicates matters for Akito Hiroshi. So I just, I think there's a number of reasons and a number of hurdles for him. Uh, I'm high on him. I, I liked a lot of what I saw from him. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in Penticton. But as far as an opening night spot and a regular uh, I think that uh, there's still a fair bit of development for Akito Hiroshi before uh, he becomes a fixture in the Canucks lineup. You've been uh, at the rink here recently. Uh, does it mm. feel good? You're, you're, you're going to the rink regularly, you're talking to the NHL players. I mean, it's just, it's uh, you're into the swing of things. It does feel like hockey season is here. So, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there's always that early September uh, conundrum of what do you wear in a hockey rink when it's uh, still sunny outside? <laughs> yes. And I don't want to bring myself to like have to pull sweaters off the shelf and jeans and those types of things. So, you know, you have to battle through and sometimes wear shorts. Uh, you got to battle. Yeah, you exactly. battle through. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's been good. We're so lucky to have you and your battle with us, Jeff. (laughs) Thank you for all you do. And almost all the regulars are here. Still no sign of Vilya Mikheyev. And uh, he remains a bit of a question mark in terms of his readiness for camp and and the start of the regular season. But uh, Ian Cole was among the the last of the regulars to join this group. And I know Rick Tockett had these great dreams of guys getting back into town in August. That was never going to happen. It just, it wasn't. Uh, But to have the bulk of the team here uh, 10 days into September, I still think that's a pretty good sign. And, uh, you know, it's pretty intense skates. Like people wonder, what do they do at uh, an informal pre-camp skate? And I know people have questioned the fact that Yogi Svekovsky, the team's uh, official skills coach, is out there on the ice and think they're going to get slapped with another fine. This is all above board. This is all legit. You can have a skills coach, and they've got Abbotsford's goalie coach. And those are the only two coaches that are out there uh, with these NHL regulars. So, you know, sleep well at night, people. They're not in danger Mm -hmm. of getting fined any further by the National Hockey League here. I believe the rule is they have to request it, right? It can't be from the team. They have to request it. Absolutely. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I would say the intensity has been pretty good. Now, it's all drills. It really does just feel like a, a basic practice here. I uh, haven't seen them scrimmage at any point yet. I would imagine there'll be some camp scrimmages over in Victoria. But uh, to this stage, it's been nothing but practice drills and some hard skating drills. Yesterday, uh, for example, the first time they actually brought out uh, a timing device and had guys doing some time skating drills at the end of the session. Uh, you know, it wasn't a bag skate, but uh, they were under the gun a little bit. And uh, I don't know the results of the skating drills that uh, was all on a laptop somewhere that uh, I saw uh, organizational uh, personnel looking through, but uh, not for public consumption. So I can't tell you how a guy like Brock Besser made out relative to his teammates, uh, but Besser certainly was among those that uh, were put through their paces out at UBC on Tuesday. How did he look speed-wise? I mean, it, it still looked like the first step and some of the lateral wasn't quite there. I, I think some people are under the... I think some people have this fantasy that he can turn into Bo Horvat as a skater. I'm not sure that's the case anymore, but what did Be- Besser look like to you in terms of his speed and explosiveness? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's hard to sit here and tell you that he has gained a, a step or is any quicker at this stage. Uh, I didn't think he labored, and I think at times through last season and at other times in his career, you know, his stride has looked heavy. It, it looked like he's kind of wearing ski boots out there uh, and trying to get up ahead of steam. You know, I, I thought there was a, a quickness. I'm not going to say that he was explosive out of the gates relative to some of the others out there. But, uh, you know, in the early going, I know that uh, when he talked last week and he talked about switching his trainers and his routine and he didn't play in the beauty league this year in Minnesota, wanted to spend more time focusing on himself rather than, you know, a glorified uh, game of shinny with other professionals. So, you know, there have been some changes. And I guess uh, over the next week or so, I, I think it'll be better and easier to judge him against his peers in camp a week from now. But, uh no, I mean, I, I would sit here and say the review was fairly positive in as much as uh, it didn't look like it was a chore for him in any way to take part in these skating drills, nor should it be for a seven-year veteran, you know, of the National Hockey League. Tanner Pearson was out there, and intensity-wise, for for what, again, the, the exercise was, it looked pretty good. Uh, this looks like a guy who is throwing everything he can at, at the wall to – to make sure that he can stick at the National Hockey League level. We're not going to know until training camp and preseason as to whether or not that's a realistic option for him. But to the naked eye right now, it looks like he's full throttle. Yeah, and I've watched him pretty closely. Uh, the, I think I've been out to three of these informal skates now, and from the first time out there, kind of locked on to number 70. And again, if you didn't know the backstory and all that he'd been through in the last 10 months, there would be no way if you came into the rink cold, you would say, hey, you know, this guy's into hell and back with this hand injury and the infection and everything else. So, uh, you know, shooting the puck, I've watched him pretty closely there. Doesn't seem to be any issues whatsoever uh, with the shooting. Now, the issue remains his feet. And in fact, my concern is more about Tanner Pearson's feet, I think, than it is his hand right. after watching him skate here, uh, the speed of the game. And as you said, Blake, and, and it's so right that, you know, it's one thing to watch and try to assess a guy in an informal skate in early September. Obviously, everything's going to get ratcheted up at training camp including the physicality. And I do wonder, like, you know, if he has to try to win board battles and push off guys and those types of things, like, are there any lingering effects whatsoever? Right now, it's primarily shooting and skating drills, and he seems to be making the grade uh, with relative ease. And that's a a good news story in and of itself, because uh, we haven't had the chance to talk to him. He's not going to speak until training camp opens. But I am really curious to know, when we did talk to him in April at those exit meetings, like he was dejected. I, I think he truly believed then that his future was in jeopardy and that maybe his career was flashing before his eyes. You know, was there a turning point at some point in this offseason 
did he get good news from a doctor? Did he wake up one day and just realize that, you know, he was making the progress that was going to be required to resume his career? Because again, to see him right now, uh, absolutely. He looks like he's going to hit the ground running in Victoria next week, bidding for a spot uh, on this roster. Jeff, that's marvelous stuff. Uh, we wanted to get you in a second time here today. And of course, we'll see you at Young Stars in Penticton. I'll catch up on the show next week. All right, guys. Sounds good. Looking forward to uh, the weekend at Young Stars. Price from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags the segment a couple of segments ago. Of course, brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Jason recently got an S&P listener who was thinking of buying. Approved, locked into their rate for four months. Soon thereafter, rates increased. Jason saved the money, and hey, if rates go down, they can always readjust. Jason will tend to the details. Find them at Jason.Mortgage. Bodog poll question results results from yesterday. And I got to admit, I was a little taken by surprise here. Would you like to see Thatcher Demko named an alternate captain for this Canuck season? Yes or no, Blake? What won the poll? You've thrown me off the scent. I would have said yes, but you said you're surprised. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing it's no. It is no. 72%. And the comments were almost all negative on the idea. Because of the logo. Right. Same thing on yeah. YouTube. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I, I do think some just interpreted this as captain, not alternate. And I do think some are unaware that the goalie can't wear a letter. Mm-hmm. But, of course, there's nothing stopping the club from naming him as an alternate captain and part of the leadership group, as they effectively did Monday at the Quinn Hughes press conference. Chris, utterly ridiculous. Tried to be avant-garde once, was a complete clown show. Players know who the leaders are. Dave, I've always felt that goaltenders have enough to stress about, not to mention that it's incredibly important for Demko to have a strong season, considering he's coming off a big injury and a poor season team-wise. Let him be. Stick to focusing on the game. Ron, doesn't work having the goalie talk about the team having a tough night. Luongo was so unfairly treated when he talked about the team as captain. It was treated as whining, even when it was 100% fair. And then Jose says, A's are overrated, which he's probably right about. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all reasonable critiques. Harrison mm-hmm. omissions from yesterday's program. There were several. Uh, I missed Doug Bodger as a former Canuck on the list of 24 younger defensemen to amass points. We got Dave Babich. We got Paul Reinhardt. But, of course, Bodger yep. had a tour with the Canucks as well. And that's a guy I never would have put no. on the list. I, I Wasn't that player later in his career? No, he certainly wasn't. No. Uh, you can't leave the crease to, uh, I got this wrong earlier in the week. You can't leave the crease to go have a discussion with the officials during stoppages, or at least there are some sort of boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have goaltenders going to the penalty box to discuss with referees, I guess. And then Grady had a tough day on the intro bridges. One was too long. One was too short. Anyways. I'm so sorry. Like a good baby bear, he'll find the one that's just right eventually. Errors and omissions from yesterday's, uh, that's errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, so you like what you got. There's a a good comfort um, this weekend because uh, golf tournaments are back. Silly season has begun. 
for the PGA Tour. Is there? The Fortnite Championship, yeah. Oh, that's a... Uh, isn't that PGA Tour Canada? No. No? No. Oh. Max Homa, the former champion, I believe. Oh. Um, three Canadians taking part. Taylor Pendrith, a plus 7,000 to win. Mackenzie Hughes, a plus 9,000. Oh, okay. To win. Napa Valley, I, th- I, I thought they were done with these uh, silly season events. I thought it was going to be one... Anyways. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and rank wide wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social. That's Insta, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.